We've been talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. It is the most powerful thing. The Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And of all the things that you're good at, you need to be an expert at understanding the blood of Jesus and applying the blood of Jesus because it is the thing that saves us. In the Greek, the word saves is saved, heals, and delivers. It was not what we could do for ourselves. It was what he did for us. He paid for us. So in, in essence, like money is currency to do anything in the natural, you need to understand the blood it, to do anything in the spiritual because it's currency. So a revelation about what Jesus did with the blood is currency to get what you need in the spiritual world. You're not waiting, hoping that God's going to feel sorry for you and do something. You've got to have a revelation. You've got to understand. That's why at the center of Christianity was communion. And we're going to have that in a little while. But it's the center of Christianity because God wanted to know your change was what I did for you. You didn't change for me. I changed you. Jesus got inside of us. That's the secret of the mystery of communion is you have to get Jesus inside of you. That's why we drink it and eat it. It sounds strange, but you, your problem's on the inside, and God's got to solve your problem from the inside out. He's got to change you, and we just release our faith. That's why the Bible calls it the blood of the covenant, because the, the deal, the covenant is this. If you bring faith, God will bring the power to change. That's why we preach the word. To, to create faith in you so that you can reach out and receive what was paid for at the cross. Now, we talked about the blood of faith in those last couple of weeks, about receiving it and applying it. Today, I want to talk to you about the blood of a champion. The blood of a champion. How many believe Jesus has the blood of a champion? You know, I, I, I'm not a horse racer, but I, I've heard him use the phrase, a champion bloodline. I know in dogs, there's a champion bloodline. So if your great-grandfather dog was a champion, a great hunting dog, then, then it, chances are it's great-grandson's going to have that blood. And they'll say that that greatness is in that bloodline, right? And so they'll pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to buy a champion bloodline horse because they're like, we're just getting a chance that some, something in that bloodline affected that generation. So that's why we connect with the blood of Jesus and understand why he did what he did. Now, we understand the blood of Jesus paid for our sin and bought our way into heaven. But anybody here in heaven yet? You don't look like you're in heaven. You look like you're pretty much here. <laughs> right? So by faith, you know, we're going to heaven. That's what we call about faith because we believe, we believe we have salvation, but we're still here. And there's a long distance between now and when you die. And that distance is time to achieve your purpose. So the blood of Jesus did not just pay for our eternity and our salvation. It provided for us to conquer in this distance between here and until we reach the end of our days. So it's not something about the sweet by and by. It's something about the here and now as well. And I don't mean to diminish salvation because it's the most wonderful thing that we're going to heaven and Jesus paid for it. Hallelujah. We could sing about that every day. That would just be the most wonderful thing. But how many want to conquer in this life? But God's idea for us was to not only transform our eternity, but transform the nature of Adam, of falling and failing that was in us into the nature of Christ. So let's look at it for a moment. I want you to see this with me. Uh, you know, 
they say, you know, like for me, when I was uh, a young boy, my sisters got piano lessons. I never got a piano lesson, but uh, I, I, there was a piano in the house, and, and music was in my blood. And I just started doing the thing. I couldn't stop doing it. The, the piano was in there, and everybody else was watching TV and what have you and doing homework. I wasn't, but should have been probably. But I was not drawn to that book. I was drawn to the keyboard over there, and I just started, like, figuring it out. And nobody told me how to do it, but I was like, you know what? This ain't rocket science. And I started figuring out what to do. And all my sisters had lessons they don't play, but I played my whole life. Uh, my parents got bored of paying for lessons. <laughs> when it got to me, they're like, no, forget about it. But, but it was in my blood. It was in my nature. How many know that all the good things that God has for your life, isn't it better for that to be in your nature than it's something that you're trying to make happen? You get what I'm saying? God wants to get that inside of you rather than you wrestling with yourself to go toward God's purpose. God wants to get himself in your blood so that it's in your, to conquer is in your blood. To win is in your blood. Now, if you have your Bible, look at Genesis uh, the first chapter, the 27th verse. So God created man in his own image. In his image, God created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your, your word radically revolutionize our lives today in Jesus' name. God created us with a nature to rule, the nature to conquer. He blessed mankind and said, take dominion. So none of us, I don't care who you are, from the uh, oldest person to the youngest person, nobody likes to lose. We are not born in liking to lose. I don't like to lose at Monopoly. I hate it. If I can't win, I'm out. I'll play the first. If I don't get something, boardwalk something, I'll, like, I'll be giving my property away. Like, I ain't playing because I, I cannot deal with yesterday evening losing. Because, you know, isn't it funny how we talk? Like, yeah, you know, we lost last night. Oh, we lost? They lost last night. But somehow we attached ourselves because they were winning. We, we were winning, and so we, we went ahead and lost. We lost. We just attached ourselves to it. I feel like I'm playing the Rams this afternoon because we get hooked on winning. If you go hunting, you want to kill something. You don't want to waste your time. Come on, all the deer hunters said amen. All three of you. Okay, all right, the rest of you ain't going to kill nothing then. I ain't saying amen. All right, just go out there and waste your time. You go out there to win. And all of us, even when we're going down the river in a boat, we see somebody fishing. How, what do you want to know? Catch anything? And we want to hear if they caught a lot because all of us have this idea. We, we want to be around winning. We want to be close to winning. We don't want to be around losing. I mean, a restaurant can be an awesome restaurant, but if nobody's there, you're like, I ain't going. I ain't going to sit there by myself. I love the food, but I got to have somebody sitting there with me. Something's, are you with me? All of us want to be around success. We all want to be because God put it in us. He put dominion in us. We don't like losing. We don't like to be broke. 
We don't like failing. We don't like struggling. So God made us, when it comes to football, we want to win. When it comes to business, we want to win. When it comes to health, we want to win. When it comes to marriage, we want to win. When it comes to our children, we want them to win. Well, you shouldn't be competitive. No, listen, you got the wrong religion. (laughs) Jesus is a conqueror. Jesus is a winner. And his blood is in my veins. I win because a winner lives inside of me. I will never be okay with losing. He said, well, that's just being competitive. Listen, the, the, uh, the Hindus believe that nirvana is a state of mind where you don't want to. Look, you're a Hindu if you don't want to win. Right? They, what do they call that? Well, you, that state of mind, nirvana. And, you know, they, they believe in all these, you know, gods and all this dumb stuff. But they believe that the perfect human being doesn't care and doesn't want anything. And this means you're at peace with God. Not true. You were born to conquer. God said, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. That voice, that blessing is still on your life. I don't care where you are. You don't like losing, even if you got used to it. Maybe you shouldn't have gotten used to it. Many have surrendered to their weaknesses and settled for survival. And they say, I'll never win. See, many times... Your grandparents gave up, and then because they gave up, you gave up, and, and your next generation's given up because you gave up. It becomes a generational uh, quitting, being conquered kind of an attitude, rather than the attitude of Jesus, I came to conquer. You got to get in touch with that winner. Every time we see our favorite team make a, a touchdown, we don't know why we're standing up and cheering. We can't help it. I was a. Uh, in my room last night, Diane and I were watching the LSU ball game, and we could hear them in the other room, and their TV was about three seconds in front of ours, so I could hear them go, ah! I was like, something good's about to happen. <laughs> and then, even though I knew it was coming, when we intercepted that ball, I was like, ah! I, I, Because I got in touch with my inner winner. Tell somebody, get in touch with your inner winner. Even if it was for a brief moment, even though we got our brains beat out, but in the night. But still, for those moments, we got an interception, we got a sack. Those moments, I was a winner for that second. I was living for that moment. We'll risk failure just to be around winning. We'll watch that game for three hours just for the chance of having a moment to say, we won. Because you got in touch with your inner winner because that's who you really are. And we kind of vicariously live through those millionaires in tight pants on Sunday afternoon who are from Ohio or something. They're not from Louisiana even. But we can pretend that they're us. And when they win, we win because we are winners. God made us that way. God created us. So when Adam fell, when Adam fell, Adam's fall contaminated us into fallen winners we're people who are winners but we have this part of us that just keeps messing us up we have this weakness in us that keeps stumbling us up and we're wondering why it seems like everybody else doesn't have the struggles we have and we seem like it's too hard and it's easy to have a pity party and say yeah I want to win but look I get knocked down every time I try Everything, it's just a struggle. It's a hassle. And it wears me out and I get sad. I want to win. 
All of us have that spark of a winner inside of us. But we have an, a, a shadow, a fallenness to us, a struggle. When Adam fell, Genesis 3, 17, this is what God said. Then Adam, and to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. P.S. Most of the time it's good to listen to your wife. This time it wasn't. Because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In the toil you shall eat of it, or in toil you shall eat of it, all the days of your life. Now look at the symbol of the curse. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. In other words, you're going to plant corn, but you're going to have weeds. You're, going to, you're not just going to get corn, you'll get weeds too. You're going to plant tomatoes, and you're not going to get tomatoes, you're going to get weeds and briars too. How many know it's still true, isn't it? you got to weed those flower beds, you get that fruit, it's a lot of hassle to do it. And you shall eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So the curse on Adam contaminated our bloodline with failure, poverty, struggle, lack, and frustration. So in our bloodline, there's, the, there's a war. There is this desire to win, but this stumbling of ourselves. This We, we want to do good, and then we struggle. And the very good that we wanted to do, we find ourselves sabotaging the, the good that we started. And this becomes like the story of our life. Two steps forward and three steps back. Two steps forward and one step back. Three steps forward and one step back. And we're wondering like, how do you win when you're constantly doing the same thing over and over? And, and many of you can relate to that because it's, it's the story of your finances. It's the story of your marriage. It's the story of raising children. It's the story of your life. Well, you're moving forward and then you're falling back. Now, God said it. Now, I want you to understand, say it with me. That is a curse. Now, not only was it cursed, it was God that cursed them and cursed the ground for their sake. He didn't curse them. He cursed the thing that they would try to do. And he said, you're going to struggle. He said, because you, you it, see, this was the contamination. Not, he didn't curse them. He said, we're going to try to do something that's going to be totally frustrating. It's going to be difficult. You're going to sweat. You're going to buy one new tire. The other tire is going to blow out. You're going to get one thing straight. Another, another leaf's going to spring up over here. Oh, gosh. And then, then it's going to spring up over here. And pretty soon you're going to be like, gosh. And you say, well, aren't there a lot of people who have succeeded? There are. But many people have a great business, but their marriage is horrible. And they have great marriage, but they're, they're, they can't seem to keep one thing going. They finally get one thing going, and it blows up the other thing. And at the end of the day, they're just tired. And that was a curse. And the sign of that curse was a thorn, was a thorn. He and his descendants, Adam and his descendants, would no longer rule and take dominion. Instead, they would be ruled by the fallen nature and by his circumstances. Frustration would mark all of his endeavors. Some of you are saying, Pastor Bray, that's, that's me. Well, good news, it doesn't have to be you because Jesus shed his blood for you. 
his, like that old commercial, this blood's for you. It really is, though. It's funny, and it's true. It is for you. I don't know. You, don't, you might not feel like you qualify, but you know what? All of that that was handed down to you, all that failure, poverty, struggle. You say, I wish you'd been born to a good family. Guess what? You can't change what happened in the past, but you can change the kind of family your kids are born into. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross, your grandkids can be born in a different family, and they can be handed down a blessing instead of a curse. You just got to understand, see, the way this works, if you understand this, it can come into your life. If you don't hear it, if it doesn't get deep in you, then it'll stay far from your life. You got to be the one that said, look, I got that. That's for me. Come on, wave at me. Say, I got that. That's for me. Come on, say it. That's for me. The blood of Jesus broke every curse, and this curse right here was broken, and I want you to see it. The blood from the, from the crown of Jesus broke the curse of poverty and struggle. Now you remember Matthew 15, 17. They clothed him with purple. Put it up there, Matthew 15, 17. They clothed him with purple and they twisted a crown of what? Of thorns and put it on his head. Don't you love how beautiful and poetic God is? He said, remember that, that curse that was thorns? He said, I'm about to turn that curse into a blessing because there's going to be some blood that's going to be shed that's going to break that curse. And so they thought they were mocking Jesus when they spit on him and they beat him and they condemned him to death. But that wasn't enough. The, the Roman soldiers didn't understand that when they plaited that crown of thorns that were about that long and they put that robe on him and Pilate said, put king of the Jews when they pressed that crown into his forehead and that precious blood began to trickle down his face can you see it you need to see it because when that blood went down his face and hit the ground at that point the curse on that ground was broken the curse on your ground is broken the curse on your life was broken it wasn't broken because you're so good because you're awesome it's because you received something that you didn't deserve that the blood of Jesus came and said that curse if you release your faith that curse can be broken and is broken can you see it? At that moment, one drop of his blood broke the curse of struggle. And some of you are more familiar with struggle than you are with victory. You're more acquainted with constant struggle because you have given in and said, well, this is my life. Listen, today, before we leave here in a minute, you need to say, I'm going to receive the nature of conquest again. I'm going to stop thinking like a loser. Remember, the crown was on his head. I can tell you, poverty is right here. Failure, fear, lack, it's not in your hands. It's not in your talent. It's in your head. The curse of I can't do it and I tried but I can't, it's all in your head. And the blood of Jesus from his head has the power to absorb that that has been in your generations that's been in your life, that was passed down to you. It has the power to cause you to be different. Say it with me. Say, when I change, everything changes.
See, don't think that, that God's going to wave a magic wand and your whole life, everybody's going to start acting right. Your whole life is going to be different. No, God's going to get the quit out of you. God's going to get the crybaby out of you. God's going to get the whiner out of you. God's going to get the part of you that says, I don't even want to try. God's going to cause that one that wants to walk away to get out of you, and he's going to bring a conqueror inside of your life. Come on, say it with me one time. Say, I want the blood of a champion inside of me. I don't know about you, but I tell you what, I love Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees because he got the blood of a champion. Anybody gets around Drew Brees, they become a winner. They probably didn't catch five passes until they became his receiver. Now they're like the Pro Bowl receiver. Like you get around Drew Brees, you start getting around a champion. You start thinking like a champion, acting like a champion, thinking like a champion. And suddenly you start getting the results of a champion. That's what it is to have a champion bloodline, to have a blood transfusion, to have his blood touch your blood. When you change, everything changes. Now, I want to illustrate this in closing. You can see the prodigal son. He was raised in a wealthy home with a wealthy father. He had everything. He had a ring. He had shoes. He had friends. He had resources. And he said, I'm going to do it my way. And he wasted all. He said, give me all my money. And he went and took his money and went and wasted it on all kinds of terrible living. And a famine came and he found himself busted and broke and disgusted. And he was so hungry in the famine that he was going to eat the pig slop that he was getting ready to serve the pigs and he was so hungry he said I feel like this eating a big bite of this slop and the Bible says he came to himself and he said you know what I'm better than this I'd go back to my dad's house I got something in my blood that's stronger than my mistakes. Come on, somebody. I got something in my blood that's stronger than the mistakes and the dumb things I've done. That's bigger than drug addiction. That's bigger than my bad decisions. That's bigger than my failure. I got an idea. I can get up and I can go home and I can eat at my dad's house. Two days, I'll be back home. That's what, it like, that's what it's like to have a nature change. I don't have to stay here in this pig pen and just take it anymore. I can rise up. I can still win this thing. It's the fourth quarter. I'm two touchdowns behind, but I can still win. You got to get in touch with your inner winner, the Jesus in you. It's true. When you, when you receive defeat, you get depressed. When you receive defeat, you're just going through the motions. You hardly want to go to church. You don't even open your Bible. When you receive the, the words of defeat, you don't even want to try. You don't want to use your faith. You don't want to believe God for anything because you've succumbed to that nature of failure and struggle. And you're saying, if I'm going to have to struggle, I want to fight. Listen, if you got Jesus inside of you, you say, I'm knocked down, but I'm not destroyed. I might have been set back but I'm not out of this thing I'm going to conquer in this situation now some people in this room have gotten used to being defeated and that's a bad thing to get used to you got to bow up 
You think somebody's going to give you something? No. You think because you came to church, suddenly God's going to make everything great? That's not how it works. God changes you, and you're going to change your world. God's going to change you. You're going to be a better man. You're going to be a better woman. You're going to rise up, and you're going to clean that house. You're going to sell that thing. You're going to get rid of that deal, and you're going to begin to work your way home. I remember I remember my, my sister married. I can say it now because she's with the Lord. She married a guy in a bad time in her life. She married this guy, and uh, he was a he was a, a knuckle breaker for the Teamsters. And uh, but you know she just wanted some security. He had money, and so she was just you know messed up and hurting. And she ended up marrying this guy. And anyway, uh, we had a family dispute, and to try to make the family over a dog. <laughs> anyway, but uh, we it, I was trying to. Uh, you know, smooth over this family dispute. So we went up to have a meal at their house and I was at the house. And at that time, some of you remember those shorts called jams were in. You had a drawstring and they were like here, it, you know, it, it was like MC Hammer cut his pants off and they were like here. And you did not look macho when you were wearing, there was no way. You did not feel manly. You did not look manly when you wore jams. Anyway, I was wearing jams that day. And I was, I was sitting there on the swing, and this guy was drinking and drinking and drinking. He's, you know, he's not only big, but he's mean. Like, mean. Like, he's mean for a living. And, uh, and he was, he's drinking and drinking. You know, some people, you got funny drunks and you got mean drunks. He was the latter. And he kept drinking those long necks. He kept drinking them while he's, he's flipping that chicken. He kept drinking, and you could tell he was just getting madder and madder. He kept looking over there at me and my jams. I was like, man, I just want to just want to try to be friends. Come on, man. And so he, he came up close to me. He had said something to me about the dispute. And I could like, there ain't no way, no matter what I answer, it's going to be bad. It's a Sunday afternoon. And, and there's about to be a fight because you could tell that the team still wants to fight. And I'm thinking, dude, I, am, I don't want to fight, but my wife's here. I'm wearing jams. I'm swinging. This is the most unmanly posture to be in. He's above me like this. And he says something, and I try to say something logical back to him, and he begins cursing me. And I was like, now I can feel the spit from him cursing above me like this. And my wife's here. I'm getting humiliated. I'm thinking. And so then he finally goes there. And he says, look, I'm going to beat, he uses the word, you know, you up. But he uses teamster language. And, and, and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm, I'm in no position to fight. I'm just going to sit here and I, I hopefully somebody will jump him. But there's something in me, I, I'm still not in touch with my inner winner. I'm still not in touch with my inner winner, but he went too far. He said, I'm going to beat you up. And I was like, yeah, that is probably going to happen. I can't, I can't fault you on that. And then he went too far. And he said, I'm going to make you like it. I, at that point, I said, oh, I want to see that. Oh, we're going to have to see that. I just found my inner winner because I've about had it with you, big boy. Whatever you're going to do, you better go because you ain't going to make me, you ain't going to make me like it. I can promise you I'm going to win this one. It's funny how bullies do when you stand up, he back way off. And so I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to hit you so your sister will leave me. I was like, no, but that's a good idea. 
<laughs> so suddenly my wife's all proud of me. I'm thinking, I'm in romantic land now. The jams, nobody even sees the jams. I've got a, I've got, <laughs> I got a cape on now. I'm like, hey, back down, big boy. <laughs> and and my, at that point, my sisters went crazy and jumped on him, and they were slapping him, and it was great. I was like, hey, hold me back, because I was about to tell you what I was about to. I will tell you what I was about to. <laughs> but I said that funny story um, to tell you, yeah, you're having a hard time, but the moment you start liking it, you just went too far. The enemy tells you that's the only life you're ever going to have. You know, you might be in a bad circumstance right now. You might have a financial problem. You might have a drug problem. You might have a problem with, with some kind of immorality. You might have something controlling your life. But the moment you start liking it and you say, this is all I'm going to ever have, that's when you separated from the nature of a champion. you got to get in touch with your inner winner. You got to find something inside of you. Say, you know what? I'm this in this situation. That's exactly where I am right now. But I'm not about to stay right here. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, you know what? Greater is He who is in me than He that is in the world. Do what you're going to do. But I've made my mind up. I'm not going to sit here and take it. Some of you, all of you, probably need a nature change, and then you need to pray that over your whole family. Say, my kids are not just going to sit and take drug addiction. My kids are not going to sit and take depression. My kids are not going to sit and take poverty. My kids are not going to sit and take lack. My kids are going to learn that their mama raised up and ro rose up so they can rise up and they can be something special because they have the nature of a champion. We got to get that crown on us again. Jesus, they took that crown from Adam and the crown went back to Jesus. You got to remember that this crown is just not you winning in life. It's you reigning in life. Reigning in life. Reigning in life. Like a king. Y'all remember that movie uh, that was uh, called Coming to America? Was it, was it who was that, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy, he was working at a, a, a kind of second-rate McDonald's. It wasn't McDonald's, it was something, McDougal's or something. What, what was it? McDowell's. He was, you, know, you know it's a low point in life when you're, work, when you're sweeping floors at McDowell's. It's not even a real McDonald's and you're sweeping floors. You know that will make you feel bad about yourself when you're working with it's Come to this. You work, you're wearing that outfit, and you're working sweeping floors at McDowell's. You have come to the bottom. But what I love about coming to America is that this guy remains a king no matter where he's at. Before it's over, they want him to run the whole place. Before it's over, everybody reminds him. Hey, wait a second. Everybody becomes aware, I should say, that he was a king the whole time. He had royal blood. I don't care if he's holding a broom. He's got royal blood. I don't care if he's living in a broke down shack. He's still got loyal blood. It might be somewhere that you don't like where you are right now. You might have something that you're standing in, some circumstances that you're standing in, but you are not your circumstances. What's in you is greater than anything that's come against you. You just got to find your inner winner. You gotta stop accepting defeat. You gotta stop liking where you are. And you've gotta rise up and say, look, like a mama does, we're gonna clean this place up.
We're about to set this thing in order, and I'm about to go from here to there. You've got to have something change inside of you. Today, we're going to receive the blood of a champion. You know, I, I told you before, when I was a policeman, I could tell what you were drinking because it was in your bloodstream. You say, officer, I, I wasn't drinking. I'd say, let's do a blood test. And I'd say, oh, yes, you were because it's in your blood. Whatever you drank got into your blood. When you drink the blood of Jesus, the Bible says the life. The Old Testament word is nefesh. It means the nature, the soul is in the blood. That's why they weren't allowed to drink blood. When Jesus said, drink my blood, he said, zoe is in the blood, which means God life. Your problem is in your blood. And when you drink his blood, his blood touches your blood and your nature begins to change. And something in you says, you know what? I can lose this weight. I'm going to lose this weight. I can change this situation. I can pay off this debt. I can rise above this depression. And you said, I'm going to quit sitting here and taking it, and I'm going to step into something fresh and new. How many want that for your life? Well, let me just tell you, the crown, the blood from that crown, it provided it for you, and you're just going to release your faith. Today we're going to receive the blood of conquest, the blood of a champion. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to stir it up with willpower. You're just going to say, today I receive. All you're receiving is Jesus, not just what Jesus did for you, but all that Jesus was. How many believe Jesus was the ultimate champion? He rose from the grave. He conquered death and hell. <laughs> That's a bad boy. He conquered it. He's the ultimate winner. He's the ultimate champion. And that blood is about to be in your blood. How many of you can wave your hand at me and say, I want that in my life? How many of you believe that?